I'm going to try to talk a little bit louder today with the, with the fans running. And uh, I've had a few people that I'm married to say I need to talk louder. Um, so last, last week, <clears throat> last week we, we started with this, this concept of now there was a famine in the land where when the Bible stories are being told and you find, that, uh, find the phrase there's a famine in the land, it's a heads up that says things have fallen apart, things are in bad shape, and, uh, and big things are about to happen. And, and almost uh, every time we have a, one of the big stories of the Old Testament, the stories of old, <coughs> um, uh, there was famine associated with that. So <coughs> we're going to jump back into that uh, here in just a few minutes. But let, let's start off with just a few cool pictures of creation um, because I, I, I think that they're, uh, they're, it's a beautiful world. <coughs> this is a glacier uh, just off the coast of Greenland. It's about 150 feet high. Uh, this is from last year, not, not current. But you can see waterfalls, uh, melt water coming off of that. This isn't an alarmist shot. This happens every year, although we will be talking about uh, melting of glaciers here in a couple of weeks and, and kind of what that, what that may mean. Um, but it, I just thought that it was, uh, it, it was a beautiful shot. Uh, saw a thing that <clears throat> the melting of the uh, glaciers happened this year, began this year about a month earlier than it ever has been, uh, ever has before. Uh, that's uh, sort of an interesting footnote. Pope Francis <clears throat> tweeted out, I, I follow on Twitter, I'm not a big social media person, but I follow uh, Pope Francis and Weird Al Yankovic um, <laughs> and uh, Stephen Colbert on, on, and The Onion on Twitter. So the Pope's in good company there. Um, but uh, he tweeted out, climate change represents one of the principal challenges facing humanity today, and the response requires the solidarity of all. Um, I contend that one of the, the reason that it's one of the principal challenges isn't necessarily that the challenge is so great, but that the solution requires everybody. Um, and that, that's, uh, uh, that's, that, that is next week's theme, just as a, as a teaser for you. This is a picture of Virgin Falls um, that one of my kids took uh, last week, last week. And uh, I will, I, I put up pictures of creation from all over the world, but I will put Tennessee up against any of them. Uh, that's from the backside of one of the falls when we were there uh, having a doggy funeral uh, last, last Sunday afternoon. But uh, it was a beautiful, uh, beautiful time out there. Last night, uh, I went and saw The Jungle Book. If anybody has a chance to see that, uh, it's, it's really good. It's, it's really well done. Um, it's, it's, it's really well done. And I will say, our uh, talking animal technology has come a long way since Mr. Ed. Um, we, we, we've really come a long way. The reason the beasts give among themselves is that man is the weakest and most defenseless of all living things. Um, probably in the jungle, that's a true statement. Uh, in a city, uh, or, or, uh, or <clears throat> on a uh, uh, battleship, that's probably not the case. Uh, another quote from that that struck me last night, the strength of the pack is the wolf, and the strength of the wolf is the pack. 
and <clears throat> thought it was interesting that in the Jungle Book story, Mowgli gets placed with the wolves because they are packs, uh, not individuals. Um, that they have the ability to assimilate others, others who are very much not like them, and raise them as their own. And uh, next week, what we're going to be talking about is the strength of the church is the people, and the strength of the people is the church. And one of humanity's uh, uh, nuances that makes us different from all the others is that we have the ability to do things wonderful and terrible individually, and we have the ability to do wonderful things and terrible things as groups. Um, <clears throat> and uh, that is a strain that pulls us in different directions sometimes, uh, maybe all the time. Other cool pictures, uh, another Wendell Berry quote that, uh, that Jerry Collins sent me this week. When I think of the meaning of food, I always remember these lines by the poet William Carlos Williams, which seem to me merely honest. There is nothing to eat, seek it where you will, but the body of the Lord, the blessed plants and the sea, yield it to the imagination intact from Wendell Berry. Uh, this is a picture of the Brentwood Library during a snowstorm that I took. It really doesn't have a whole lot to do with food, uh, but I thought it was an interesting picture of creation that I took, um, that we were in the process of fixing about one mile of 21 inch diameter sewer line. So everybody who lives in South Brentwood, all of your sewage runs right over here in case you want to think about things like that. <laughs> so we were in the middle of spending $30 million uh, with the city and, um, and the, the, the city, well the mayor asked if we had any pictures that we could send the uh, send a news outlet do a press release of uh, of kind of where the money is going well when I take pictures I name them what they are uh, I don't leave them as DSCN 0045 or whatever I, I so I can go back in and say oh instead of this being picture one this was titled by me on my computer the prettiest picture of sewage bypass ever taken <laughs> that caption got put in the paper <laughs> I was quite proud of that. <laughs> Not everybody I worked with was so proud of that. <laughs> Other pictures and quotes. Earth Day was this week. I thought I would just put up some, some good Earth Day quotes uh, from some of, the, uh, some of the people who have taught us uh, a good deal about uh, uh, taking care of our creation. John Muir said, uh, when one tugs at a single thing in nature, he finds it attached to the rest of the world. Henry David Thoreau, always a really upbeat guy. Thank God men cannot fly and lay waste to the sky as well as the earth. <clears throat> C.S. Lewis, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you get neither. John James Audubon, a true conservationist, is a man who knows that the world is not governed by his fathers, but borrowed, borrowed from his children. Um, that's a quote that's attributed to him and uh, Native American proverb and, and, and many, many others. But the, the concept that we borrow the earth from our children rather than inherit it from people who came before is, uh, I think, a very, very much Christian sentiment. Rachel Carson, uh, those who contemplate the beauty of the earth find reserves of strength that will endure as long as life lasts. And the great philosopher, the Lorax, unless someone like you cares an awful lot, nothing is going to get better, it's not.
<laughs> if you know where this is going, don't spoil it for me because this was the highlight of my week. The Royal uh, uh, Science Society of England was commissioning a new research vessel to, uh, to go research uh, polar ice caps and what's going on up in the Arctic. And so uh, they wanted to get the public involved in the science discourse, and that's great. Let's let people name the ship, right? And so they, uh, in true British fashion, they wanted to name after uh, true uh, British scientists and explorers, the, 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 the Royal Navy uh, uh, Amundsen, the Royal Navy uh, whatever, whatever king you want to name it after. So they put it out on the internet to have a contest to see who can name it. The winner, Bodie McBoatface. <laughs> so, so there is a new, uh, new British vessel uh, doing research in the Arctic called Bodie McBoatface. And th that is why we have the internet, okay? That's why we have invented that, is so that we can actually have science being conducted by Bodie McBoatface. I, boys, the judges? I, I, if they were, I, I would, if, even though they were my kids, I would have given them a hug. <laughs> okay. Um, we, we, we went through this in a little bit more detail last week, uh, and I mentioned it a second ago, but in the Bible where it says there was a famine in the land, uh, there, there, there was uh, all through Genesis, there, there are several of them. Uh, King David through the kings, Elijah and Elisha, uh, going back and forth from exile to return, uh, even mentioned in the New Testament as well, that there were famines in the land, and big things happened because of the famines, big things happened after the famines. <clears throat> and then, uh, then this is kind of where we left it last week when we started talking about the Dust Bowl here in the United States in the, in the uh, 1920s and, and 30s that drought is not the same thing as famine. That when we hear of famine, we think it didn't rain for a little while. And that's not an equation there. It doesn't rain for a little while in much of the world. But millions of people don't die simply because it doesn't rain for a while. Millions of people die because it doesn't rain for a while. There's an environmental stress involved in that. And then people get involved and do horrific, horrific things in the name of power, in the name of looking out after their own people behind their own walls. So there are, in case you're keeping score at home, there are seven famines in, in the world right now that are officially classified by the famine, famine classifiers of the world. Uh, Australia is, uh, I know you can't read the legend here, red is bad, okay? Um, uh, Australia, uh, the, they are having what they are terming a one in 1,000 year uh, drought event uh, in, down in the sunburned country. India, 54% of India faces high to extremely high water stress right now, today, as we speak. Um, I don't know if any of you saw the, 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 the pictures of, of people waiting in line at, at wells in some of the northwestern rural India uh, and in the 115, 120 degree heat. Um, but uh, it's, there, are, there are stresses going on in that country of 1.1 billion people. 
Um, there are more people without access to sanitation in India than there are in Africa. There are lots of souls uh, in, in, that, in that subcontinent. Other famines. Uh, there is currently uh, uh, other droughts. Sorry, that's not the same thing. Other droughts uh, in China. Uh, they are building dams as fast as they can uh, so they can water as much uh, crops as they can on these giant collective farms that they have now. Uh, but the rains are not coming. And, uh, and beneath booming cities, according to, the, uh, according to the New York Times, China's future is drying up. Brazil. We'll hear about this while you're watching the Olympics later this summer of the environmental stresses that are going on there. Um, that we don't think that it's possible to have a drought uh, when you're right on the edge of the tropical rainforest. But one thing that we saw firsthand when we lived in Guatemala uh, and that just does happen, tropical rainforests create their own weather. They, they are giant, if you can imagine, well pumps that pump water out of the ground, that's what those giant massive trees are. And they just suck water out of the ground and they put it back out into the atmosphere. You cut down all the trees, then the water doesn't come back out. It doesn't condense and it doesn't turn back into tropical rains. Uh, and so southern and eastern Brazil uh, are, are actually finding that, that what was very rich ground that they slashed and they burned and they planted now they can't grow anything on it. So Brazil uh, is, is in the midst of a water crisis as well. Spain, um, Spain in this, part, in this part of Spain right here, here's the Mediterranean Sea over here. There are cities in northeastern Spain that are getting their drinking water by boat uh, coming in from Italy. They are importing water to drink uh, because they don't have any there. And of course, California. Uh, California, this is a, this is a picture uh, in one of the valleys near, near Yosemite of uh, obviously the water level is supposed to be up here and it's almost all the way gone. And that's a recent picture after the winter rains. Um, I brought up those six because except for maybe California, probably most people in here haven't heard about them. And the reason that you haven't heard about them is that they're problems, but they're being managed. Society has not fallen apart in Australia. Yes, they're walking around upside down. I get that. <laughs> but society has not fallen apart in Spain. Yes, they have currency crisis there. Praise God that that is the problem that they're having. And we're not seeing headlines that six million Spaniards have died in a famine. Right? Right? We should be pretty thankful for the problems that we have sometimes. But the one... The seventh one is the one that we've all heard about, and that's Syria. Um, timeline of events, we have drought 20, 2005 to 2010, and then continued on until about 2013. You have Iraqi refugees showing up. You have internally displaced people trying to find where they can uh, feed themselves and feed their families. These numbers are in the millions right here, and they just continue on, and we all know where that goes from there. Uh, with the famine in the land that <clears throat> March 2011 uh, as part of the uh, uh, spring uprising uh, people said enough is enough and we have to do something different 
and the government in charge in Syria said, no, we don't have to do something different, and we're going to bomb you until you stop doing that. And the United States gets involved saying something, and then Russia gets involved saying something else. Um, and, and all the while, you've got millions of people saying, I'm hungry. This is a, uh, I guess it's a year old now. Uh, again, red is bad, but on a, on a Middle Eastern trajectory, exceptional drought cuts straight across the, uh, the most volatile part of our planet right now. And I think I showed this picture last week. That's the, that's the best result where people wind up in tents rather than uh, drowning in the Aegean Sea. Okay. So, I kind of want to go through a little bit of science with this, but only because the science of it, I think, colors what we as Christians could feel about it and could do about it. And, and as we talk about ca what causes this anyway, I think for in this place, in this room with these people, uh, we might be able to receive a different message than perhaps what we hear on the news. <clears throat> okay, when people can't grow food anymore, there are, there are about six major causes that do that, okay? Um, one is obviously no rain. That happens. We get it. We can solve that problem, though. There are many places where we get our food where rain doesn't fall. California is one of them. You know, we irrigate. Now, I can, I can debate pros and cons of building dams on the Colorado River all day long, but we can solve the problem if it's only raining, uh, only lack of rain. It is hard to solve a problem where sheep have overgrazed and removed all of the topsoil from an area. That was a major problem in the ancient biblical lands. So when you hear about Abraham and Lot, you have the not grazed area and then you have the overgrazed area. This is a recent picture from Israel today. Sheep are terrible when it comes to grass because they pull it up by the roots. Goats, they are like lawnmowers uh, and, they, and they mow it down. But sheep will denude an entire area. Now, that's, that's, that's a hard balance to strike because sheep were vitally important to people's survival. And Jesus was the good shepherd. And I'm not saying that sheep need to be eliminated by any stretch. But I am saying that too many of them makes it a problem for other people. So... If I own this property right here and I overgraze it because I am rich and I have, uh, uh, I, I have been blessed and so I can afford many, many more uh, livestock animals than you can, well, good for me. But in the span of a few years, this is gone and it has actually made a problem for my neighbor as well because of my uh, success. Okay, so if you could extrapolate that out to a national scale uh, or an international scale, you can see where that could cause some issues. Topsoil erosion, deforestation. That's a picture I took in Haiti 
right there of a farmer uh, working his ground. The interesting thing that I want you to notice are the mountains in the background where there's not the first tree. And if you look on Google Earth and you look at the island of Hispaniola, Hispaniola you will see the western one-third of Haiti is brown, the eastern two-thirds of the Dominican Republic is green. And the reason that you can see that from space is that for 150 years they have cut down all the trees in Haiti in the interest of possibly, hopefully, growing crops for a few years. But trees take longer than that. Trees take longer than that. And, and you know, uh, Alan, you and I were talking last week after class. You, 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 you want to, can I put you on the spot for a second? Absolutely. Besides, okay. 